Um, hey, well, it was awesome to see you guys. Um, there are a lot of new faces in this place, and to some of you guys, I'm sure I'm probably a new face as well, I assure you. I am very much an old face. Um, but uh, my husband and I have been based out at this Owen campus, and so um, we have come back in, and I'm um, taking up more of a role looking at missions on a local and global level. And so it is, um, it is awesome to be here with you, and I'd um, love to get to know you guys, so please come up and introduce yourselves. And so we slowly learn new names and those sorts of things. Actually, we say we. I'm like, Ben's away hunting this weekend. He's living his best life, but um, you can meet him another week. Um, but, you know, as, as part, of, part of my role, I get to uh, connect with the teams that we are partnered with globally um, and, and locally and, and just hearing some of the stories about what God is, is doing. And, you know, I've just been, again, blown away with how God can radically change lives. Uh, oh, I have a timer up there. You know, recently I was able to write this update from one of the churches that we are partnered with in Thailand. Mung Tung Life Church was started over 20 years ago and is based in the north of Bangkok. With a population of over 10 million in Bangkok alone, 94% being Thai Buddhist, the need is huge. The church has grown steadily and has many Thais coming to faith in Jesus and becoming passionate about reaching those around them. <coughs> Pastor Udom and his wife Penjai last year had Penjai's sister come and stay with them. She was a very staunch Thai Buddhist and persecuted Penjai relentlessly for her faith since she had become a Christian. After she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, she asked if she could come and live with them because she knew that they would care for her. In this time, her heart softened significantly and Pastor Udon was able to, able to lead her to Christ. She then had a radical transformation in her life and by the time she went to be with Jesus, was full of a joy and a peace that they had never seen in her before. Her family wouldn't allow a Christian funeral in the church, but she had said she wanted Udom to do the funeral. And allowed him, this allowed him to speak freely about her faith in Jesus, lead them in a time of worship and celebration of her life, and share about the change Jesus brought to her, all while in the Buddhist temple. The family was really touched by this and the power of the gospel at the same time. You know, as we have launched our new Kiwi2 campus, there has been a great team who have put their hands up to be part of it. And it's so awesome to hear their stories of how and why they said yes. You know, at a working bee before the campus launch, one couple was telling me how they were challenged when Carl asked them to stand up and be recognized as the over 60s to which they were mortified. But they stood up and they did it and to be recognized as generals in the faith as he prayed for them and prophesied that God wasn't finished in their age group yet. They then went on to do co-mission and were really impacted by it and by how many people still hadn't heard the gospel. And they had a really serious conversation about how they could make a difference. Then with the season of stands and the new campus launching, they decided that this was an opportunity to stand up and play a significant part in it. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You know, as I talked with more of the team, there were ones who'd been involved in new church and campus plants in the past and said, I could go and say yes again. Ones who hand on heart said, I know I'm being disobedient if I don't. And ones who said, my skill set is needed, I can be part of it for a season with the goal of raising others up to do it. You know, I just think that's amazing. Yeah. 
and to see how God is just so faithfully working in this space is awesome. You know, and it was all with a desire that people's lives would be changed and impacted by the good news of what Jesus had done, that they could be part of discipling and training people so that they would then be able to share what God has done in their lives. You know, just the other month, we got to baptize 17 people who wanted to spend the rest of their lives following Jesus. And there was such a mix of stories of how people had come to that point and why they were making a public declaration to follow Jesus. Recently, I've been meeting with a friend that's on a journey as God is radically changing their lives. And I'm continuously amazed that the person that they were a year ago is so incredibly different to how they are now. You know, as a church, as followers of Jesus, we just want to keep saying yes to God because we believe that he can do incredible things, things that we never even dreamed were possible in people's lives. We want to live our lives on mission, carrying this incredible hope and good news. We know that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, in verse 18, then Jesus said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, I think often we start with therefore go. But I think verse 18 is just as important. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It is in his name and on his authority that we go and all of the rest happens. There are a few times that Matthew records Jesus referring to his authority. In Matthew 7 verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law quoted other rabbis to support their own teaching, but Jesus spoke with a divine authority. In Matthew 10 verse 1, Jesus called called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. In Matthew 16 verse 28, he said, Truly I tell you, Some of you who are standing here will not taste death before you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This was as he talked about the new kingdom that he was ushering in. John refers to it in John chapter 2 verse 1, just before Jesus is arrested. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son and that your Son may glorify you. You have granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. We see his authority demonstrated over creation and stilling, the sto- stilling of the storm, walking on water, changing water into wine, feeding the thousands from a few loaves and fishes. And then we see him raising the dead. But now, in this moment, as, Matthew, as he's giving this commission, he himself has been crucified and has been raised from the dead and is standing in front of the disciples. His authority has been asserted in a way that they have never seen before. Remember, they knew 
that only God could raise people from the dead. And if he was a crazy man or just a super spiritual man, he would still be dead in a tomb. But because God had raised him from the dead, it showed that God affirmed that Jesus was everything that he said he was. And then, now as he was standing before them, resurrected, he says to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He had now stepped into the fullness of his authority as the resurrected Savior and King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, all of creation and everything within it was to bow its knee to Jesus. It was in his name and under his authority that he was sending the disciples out to carry this important message to the world. It is in his name, under his authority, that today we carry the same message. You know, it reminds me a little of the scene from the movie Sweet Home Alabama, and you're like, how did she get here, right? But the scene towards the end of the movie, and I'm sure many of you will know it, where the bride is, is walking up the aisle, and, and all of a sudden, throughout the movie, there's been this man that's been trying, this little old man that's been trying to get hold of her, and they've been shouting her off, thinking he's some sort of journalist or something, and then eventually, in desperation, he runs up the aisle behind her, and he says, you can't do this. And she's like, why? And the whole storyline of, you know, her ex-husband, he's, she's like, he's decide, he signed the divorce papers. And he's like, but Mrs. Carmichael, you haven't. And what led him to that point was under the authority of the law, it wasn't going to be a legal marriage. The lawyer had a message that he carried under the authority of the law that needed to be delivered. It's Jesus' command and under his authority that we go into all of the world. We have permission to go and to carry his message because he is the one who has given it to us. All authority in heaven and on earth. He's the one asking us to go and share the hope that we have found in him. He has given you permission to carry his message in your home, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your university, wherever you go. How does that change our mindsets of where we're allowed to be and what we're allowed to share? Let's take a few moments and watch a short video of how the early church advanced and you can see the rapid spread of the gospel over a number of years. Hopefully, cool.
some of you will recognize that from commission. You know, I hope in that moment you remember the Mongols. And if you want to learn why that is the greatest missed opportunity in mission, in mission history because their empire encourage you to like, come along to the course we're going to be running in October. But the gospel has always advanced by ordinary people. Now granted, some of it wasn't great in the way it was done and we would definitely want to learn from that. But one of the early aspects that you would have seen when that rap had spread was along the Silk Road. The early church took that command and under the authority of Jesus that they could carry this message to the nations. Now the Silk Road was a trade route that went from China to Eastern Europe. It went along the northern borders of China, India, Persia and ended up in Eastern Europe near today's Turkey and the Mediterranean Sea. The Silk Road, we can put the graphic up team so you can see how far it travelled. The Silk Road was important because it helped facilitate trade and commerce between a number of different kingdoms and empires. This helped for ideas, cultures, inventions and unique products to spread across much of the world at the time. The Silk Road was named after its biggest commodity, Chinese silk cloth. It was also used to trade tea, salt, sugar, porcelain, spice, and luxury goods like cotton, ivory, and ivory, gold, and silver. Merchants and tradesmen traveled in large caravans. They would have many guards with them, meaning that there were many people traveling this road for a variety of work and pleasure purposes. Few traveled the entire route, and most goods were traded with a few of the cities and posts along the way. It was in his name and under his authority that the early believers were traveling and working along these roads in a variety of different positions. Salesmen, guards, slaves, and all in between, sharing the good news with those that came, they came across and got to know as they traveled and traded. And we see the remarkable way that the gospel spread through that. Have you ever heard of Florence Young? She was a young Australian woman who went to visit her brothers on their sugarcane plantation and for the first time found herself to have close neighbours from the Solomon Islands. Employees who were there on three-year contracts in a job scheme with the Australian government. As she found herself caring for them deeply, her heart became burdened by the fact that they didn't know Jesus. All the while feeling totally inadequate, she began to share what she knew with them beginning with an illustration of a butterfly chrysalis. And so began the journey of the Solomon Islands being reached for Jesus. This woman who traveled to visit her brothers and allowed her heart to be open to new friends was a catalyst for a whole nation eventually having the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You know, if you're on our database, hopefully you would have received an email this week about some changes to Alpha, and how some of this, an update on some of our M3 giving. You know, we have been able to support Pastor Ponchai and his wife Ia with children who are heading over to the US for three years for Ponchai to complete his Masters in Divinity. His vision and heart for doing this is that when he returns to heart to Thailand, he'll be able to set up a training school to equip others to plant churches in least, re least reached regions throughout the whole of Thailand and also the surrounding nations. You know, this is massive. The nations that are around Thailand, they will be able to train and release people to carry the gospel to. 
You know, it's because of people's faithful giving we've been able to commit supporting with the cost of his studies and living expenses for the next three years. We believe that what will come of this will be a significant number of people will have an opportunity to have an encounter with the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. See, the good news has always been powerfully carried by ordinary people, sharing intentionally with those that come across their path. How can we respond to the go? Because sometimes we can get stuck, right? We've all been there. It's not always about the big moments, the moving overseas to the new nations. It's about... It's about the lives that God has placed around us, right where we are. It is important to pioneer work to those that have no ability to hear the good news of Jesus, absolutely. But most people don't receive the gospel from a stranger, but someone that they know and trust. So what can we do? We can pray that God will break our hearts again for those that his heart is breaking for It's easy for our hearts to become hardened, cynical, distracted, and tired from that which he's called us to. We can ask God to open our eyes to see people the way that he does. We can pray and ask and think if there is anyone in our world that we can show an act of kindness to. Is there someone that you could offer to pray for, a blessing over their family, a need that they might have, and intentionally praying for them and also with them so that they get to be a part of seeing God move? Is there a place where you could walk and pray regularly for people that they would have thoughts about God that they have never had before? I remember doing this when I was in record in high school when I had to go to two assemblies back to back on a regular basis. It was boring enough on the first one, but when I had to still sit through the second one, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I realized that actually I had the entire school in front of me. And it was a space and place where I could pray for all of those students at the same time. You know, is it maybe your workplace before everyone arrives? Around your home, around your neighborhood, where is it that God has placed you? Are there people that you can invite into your home for a meal? You know, as Kiwis, we seem to be a little bit reluctant to do this. But for those internationals who have traveled here and living here, this is such a massive thing for them and something that means so much to them. You know, is there someone that you could invite to come with you to Alpha? God will use our lives if we are willing. It just sometimes takes some intentional steps on our part. We can become vessels of the Holy Spirit, and He is the one that can bring the change. A friend who has been involved in significant occultic practices describes now that when a Christian friend prays for them, the room suddenly feels warm. And for days afterwards, there is a lingering sense that they're going to be okay. That's only the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, in a sermon on the mount, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people hide a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, some commentators suggest that in view would have been the city of Safed. Located in an elevation of 900 meters, Safed is the highest city in Galilee and indeed the whole of Israel. So this is a picture of it now. 
It is mentioned in historical texts as one of the five elevated spots where fires were lit to announce the new moon and the beginning of significant festivals. You know, as Jesus sat and talked, this would have been a view. People would have known this city. And I think what is amazing about this is that they all knew when the fires were lit in this place. This was the place where they looked to to get an indication of when things were starting and when things were happening. You know, God can start a fire within us as well that signals it has begun when people look at our lives. The kingdom has started coming. A recent long weekend, we took a a family out in Sawin out camping for the first time. Now, they're originally from Jamaica, and and as Mark would say in his own words, camping in Jamaica is a surefire way to end up on the missing persons list. So it was a totally new experience for them, and I wanted to make it fun for them, and so I got the kids some little torches for this full experience, right? They were so excited, and of course, they started using them when it's light. And it was super exciting, but a little unimpressive. And let's be honest, they were only $2 torches. And although I'd checked the batteries, I still wasn't convinced how long they were going to last for. So we kept saying to them, wait till it's dark. Wait till it's dark. And then when it was dark, they got to eat dinner with their torches. They got to go for a walk in the dark with their torches. They got to hop into their sleeping bags, the best part, and play with their torches. And it reminded me that even the smallest light can make a big difference in dark places. So team comes back. We've been challenged this year to make the mission personal. The God of all creation has given you authority to carry his message of hope. He has started a fire within you designed to shine in dark places to signal that there is a resurrected king. The gospel has always advanced by ordinary people sharing what they have found and what God has done in their lives. 29% of the world, that's 7 billion people, meaning one in four, have never heard of Jesus, have no chance of hearing the good news, no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby. They can live their whole lives and never meet a Christian and never hear who Jesus is. It's not Carl, it's not the leadership team, it's Jesus who is asking us to make the mission personal. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Church, my question this morning is what is our response to Jesus? And would you stand with me this morning? Because I'd love to pray for a few things. I'd love 
to pray that again we will feel the weight of the importance of the mission because it's easy to become distracted and think that it's maybe someone else's calling but the gospel has always advanced by ordinary people people like us who wherever they go whoever comes across their path they carry the hope of Jesus he says that he will be with us that his Holy Spirit will fill us to carry the message. And again, I want to pray that we will be filled to overflowing with our hope in Jesus. And I want to pray this morning for the fear that sometimes holds us back, that God wouldn't use us. I'm not going to get the right words. What if I mess it up? What if it's awkward? What if, what if Jesus uses you to change someone's world? Because I think all he needs is a willing heart. He's shown that throughout the whole of history. So would you join with me in praying this morning? Father, we pray that we will feel the weight of the mission again of what you have called us to. Lord, let the things that rest heavy on your heart rest heavy on our heart. Father, help us to see those around us the way that you see them. To be able to speak words of love and hope over them. Lord, we pray for opportunities to be courageous in sharing what you have done within us. Holy Spirit, will you fill us to overflowing again? Will we have become weary or tired or distracted or discouraged? Holy Spirit, will you touch those places? We pray for fear to go in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just say again, God, we are willing. Lord, will you use us? Father, we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.